disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. Okay, I'm super excited about today's episode. My friend Ryan Quarles, Kentucky's Agriculture Commissioner, has been a thorn in Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir's side. He keeps just kind of picking at him, and I love it, like in a good way, in a way that needs to be done, because people need to stick up for Kentuckians, and that's what he is doing. Because the way the governor has handled this pandemic has been absolutely pathetic. And he's way behind what the rest of the country is doing. You know, as you know, I live in Colorado now. We're governed by a liberal Way more liberal than Bashir is, frankly, to be honest with you, in terms of actual politics. We've been open for six weeks, like wide open for six weeks. Like we still have a mask mandate, but the governor was basically like he said to municipalities and counties in the state. He said, y'all decide what you all want to do because you know what the numbers are in your area. Right. And so I live in Colorado Springs and the mayor of Colorado Springs was like, you know what? I'm not abiding by any recommendations from the state. I'm just going to tell you, you are a grown grown adult. You need to go and be uh, common sense. And just and, and basically, I, I heard the mayor say it myself. He's like, well, I'm asking the people of Colorado Springs to use common sense uh, to make their own decision and to be adults. And you know what you need to do. And that's what he and that was it. And then he just dropped it. Bam. No more restrictions other than a mask mandate, which is statewide. But whatever. That's it. We have full capacity at restaurants. We have full capacity at businesses. Everything is open and things are humming back along. And Governor Bashir is bickering over whether the state of Kentucky is open, but you can't go to a bar after 10 p.m. Because we all know that COVID is not going to bother you at 9.58. It's going to bother you at 10.01. That's when COVID attacks. COVID attacks after 10 p.m. Ah, so dumb. All right, so check out this conversation. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about the gas shortage. We're going to talk about reopening the state of Kentucky. I'm going to ask uh, Ryan Quarles if he's going to run for governor. We're going to talk about fake meat. And we're going to talk about hunting. But right now, and that's all coming up in just a couple minutes. But first, please thank our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Give them a call, 502-930-3304, and just say thanks for sponsoring the Disruption Zone. Even if you're not looking for a kitchen right now, say, hey, when we do, y'all will be the ones we call. But I want to thank you for sponsoring my favorite podcast, Leland Conway and the Disruption Zone. Call them at 502-930-3304. But if you are looking for kitchen redo these are the folks and i can say this because they did ours and they did a fantabulous job and if that's not a word it is now because show hosts have the exclusive right to make up words it's in the constitution look it up 6200 hit lane louisville cabinets and countertops if you are a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor they have beautiful high quality cabinets of many different styles modern shaker traditional all the different colors they have all the things in stock ready for you to pick up if that's what you're doing. But if you want a complete turnkey remodel, which is what they specialize in, then you need to go talk to their designers, George, Kathy, and Michelle, because they will rock your world and change your home. It's awesome. Don't take my word for it, though. Take Kathy Clement's view. Uh, uh, take Kat- Kathy Clement's word for it. If you go to their website, you can see her comment on Google Reviews. She said, I work with Tim and his team on a kitchen remodel and couldn't be happier. I will use them again if I ever have another kitchen bath product project. Hey, you know what? That's kind of what happened with me. I used them for my kitchen, and I was like, this is such a good de- deal. I used them then for my master bathroom. So I'm just saying. 
All right, so check it out. It's LouisvilleCabinetsCountertops.com. All right, let's get to our conversation now with the agriculture. I can't. Can I talk? Of course I can't talk. Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles on the Disruption Zone. Buddy, how are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I got you just fine. Great. I'm doing great. Sweet. Welcome back to the uh, Disruption Zone podcast. Oh, I'm excited. You know, it's also beef month, so uh, we're getting our brisket up. It's brisket o'clock every day. Sweet. I was going to ask you about that <laughs> since you're back. Um, th- this Have you seen where there's this, I guess there's several states are trying to push to force um, these companies that are making this fake meat, this uh, Beyond Meat stuff, to make it clear on their packages that it is not actually meat? Like, I don't yeah, know. I, be- I think maybe Texas is doing that. We should do that here. We, we actually already have. We are ahead of the curve. You know, government actually got in front of an issue instead of behind an issue. You know why? <laughs> because of me. And, and we, we actually passed the law, I think, in 2018. How did I miss uh, 19, that? Uh, it, it's a fake meat bill. It basically says, look, if you attempt to sell this stuff in Kentucky, you can call it anything you want. You just can't call it meat. And it right. has to have truth in advertising. And uh, some other states have done it. They've gotten sued by you know who aclu over it and uh some states have buckled but we ours has not been challenged uh well wait wait okay so so i guess the aclu would because i look i'm all for like i was kind of upset when they made um the dairy industry made almond milk take the milk off like it's very clear to me that anything that comes from an almond like almonds don't have little teats you can't you can't milk almonds you know little teats so clearly that's not milk but with the beyond meat you know, all all I would say is, and which appears to be what you've done, is say, look, you can call it whatever you want. That's what you said. You can call it whatever you want. You just can't say that it's actual meat. That's I correct. Mean, it's a truth in advertising issue, and and the reason why we did it is exactly because of what happened to the dairy industry with with almonds, and so we we decided to not let that happen again. Okay. And uh, it was great. I it was so funny because I think that session. Very few bills got passed, but it's so funny because uh, a lobbyist told me after the session that said, "Damn, Ryan, if if you the only three things that got passed this session were pro life bills, pro gun bills, and fake meat bills." So, <laughs> damn. <you know? laughs> no, no, nothing got happened on roads. Nothing happened to pension reform. But damn it, we got we're outlawed fake meat. That's right. <laughs> have you ever have you ever tasted it? Because, like, every time I walk by it in the store, it actually, there's been a couple times I've actually almost, they shouldn't even be allowed to put it near the meat section. Like, I've almost grabbed oh, yeah. it because I thought, oh, that's beef. Whoa, 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 that's not beef. Like, have you ever tasted it? I've not it? had it. And I've actually, I've been, I've been going back and forth about whether or not I should try it. Because I like to be able to say, I'll never try it. Right. I'm not, but at the same time, I, I'm kind of curious. But the people that I've talked to have had the truly lab-grown meat, which you really can't buy yet. Right, it's not really commercialized yet. They say it's they say it's identical, but I just I just don't believe it. And yeah. then Bill Gates came. Bill Gates came out this week supporting it. I uh, I don't think I. Here's the thing about a maybe lab. that's what caused the divorce, Leland. Maybe Melinda wanted the <laughs> wanted uh, beef burgers, and he was he wanted the plant based crab. Yeah, that's what that's what it is. That's what it is. That's what broke their marriage apart. <laughs> um, no, I can't. I can't imagine that lab-based meat is gonna. I, I know. I've heard that too. I've heard people say it tastes the same. And uh, th- there's there's a different. Okay, like are you you're a hunter, right? Because I'm a hunter. Yeah, you're a hunter. Okay, so yeah. you know that there's something about wild game that's different 
Like you can, I can even tell the difference between a wild hunted elk and farmed elk. Like I can tell really? the difference. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You, you can tell the difference. There's a difference, and it's it has to do with I think the 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 wild nature of an animal, and and maybe even just the outside nature of an animal. Something grown in a lab is never gonna. It's not gonna get the same amount of exercise. It's not no, gonna have. Yeah. It's not gonna the be the other same. thing. Is you don't know what they're adding to that stuff too for color for preservative. You know, you just don't know. But right. I, I, I bagged the 23 and a half pound turkey a couple of weeks ago. Was, oh, nice. It was great. Yeah. It was great. That's awesome. Uh, now, that's one thing I haven't hunted yet. I just picked up my Colorado small oh. game. Yeah. Um, you have to, it's, this is the thing that, this is one of the things I miss about Kentucky. In Kentucky, if you want to go hunting, well, here's the problem in Kentucky. You have to know somebody's got a farm big enough to hunt on because that's, there's <laughs> like no, like, there's not that much. Yeah wide open wilderness but the problem yeah so but if you do you just get a tag and you go here i'm actually waiting until i won't know until the end of the month what i got as far as big game like i can anybody can get a small game i've got the small game fishing license yeah. I, I can go rabbit hunting turkey hunting whatever but i cannot go like i have to wait till may 28th that's what, or 24th that's when i'll find out i put in for uh antelope pronghorn um elk and deer and I put in like three different deer licenses in three different sections of the state. I won't oh know. Gosh. Yeah, I won't know. And that, and I may not get anything, you know. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's nuts. No, of course, we're we have more deer than we can handle in Kentucky. So we're, yeah. we're out there. You know, we got a big program where, where you can go out uh, and actually donate your deer to our food banks. And at, at no cost to the hunter, we get it processed and uh, sent to our food banks and food pantries. So we're just we have too many deer. Turkey hunting's fun as hell, though. Those, those birds are dumb, but <laughs> but they but they but they're so flighty, though. You have to you have to be there in silence. You have to wait for them to come up. You got to call them. Right. But uh, dumb doesn't I, mean came, dumb doesn't mean easy, does it? No, but it, but it is kind of funny because uh, they'll get up close to you, and then I got the shotgun out, and I said underneath my breath, I said, "You need more lead in your diet," and I shot it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so mean. That is so mean. <laughs> I love it. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I went elk hunting last year for my first time ever. Um, oh, for wow. first time ever elk hunting, and um, we got on a big one, like a big one, because we were following its sign. And um, yeah. but the problem was here's the here's the sad part about this. So my nephew come, comes out from Louisiana to help me hunt. So we because you know you got to have two people for elk if you do get something. Oh yeah. But we got over the counter, which meant it was late season. And it, it's almost impossible to get an early season elk tag here. It's kind of like Kentucky with the lottery, only it's probably even worse. And it's going to get worse now that the liberals from California who are moving here ridiculously voted to add wolves, which are already naturally coming back. So they're just going to devastate the herd. But as of sure. right now, we have world-class elk hunting here. So anyway, we went up we went up in the mountains. Um, and we got – it was crazy because the, 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 um, it was perfect situation for a first-time elk hunter. We got a foot of snow. The night before we went hunting. Oh, my God. Yeah, in late October. It was like our first snow this last year. So it's zero degrees, foot of snow. But we're like, hey, we can track, right? So we get up in the mountains the first day. And we get on some sign. We find a uh, we find a game trail that's got some elk sign on it. We're like, okay, this is perfect. We're going to sit on this trail. And so we followed the trail down, way down this gully, down between this canyon. And then we went up on the ridge of the canyon. We're like, we're going to sit on this. We're going to come back here like, like four o'clock in the morning, wait for the sunrise, sit on this this corner, which is perfect because we'll catch him coming around the corner, right? He's close to a water source, will be perfect. So we we do our thing. That next morning we get up super early. We we we're 
three miles from the truck. So we have to hike back into our spot, right? So we get up super early. We go, go to hike in. This is like the opening scene of Last Mohicans, <laughs> right? Man. Yeah. Well, we had our little sled. We have every, we had everything. We're like, we can't. We get so we get out that we get out. We start going. We get out like there's some deer sign. We're like, oh, cool. Chase it like a rabbit trail because we're thinking. I don't know what we were thinking. We were stupid. We followed it for like 25 minutes and we come back and we like there's there's a little bit of elk sign on the side of a hill and we're like okay well let's go see what we got here. We found where they bedded down. Bottom line, long story short. We finally arrive after sunrise at our spot, right? Because mm-hmm. we never found what we thought we were finding. So we're like, well, we'll just go sit on our spot like we planned on. We'll wait. We get out there. It's already 8 o'clock by now because we've wasted too much time following this other stuff. We sit there for four hours, and I'm like glassing the other side of the mountain. I'm glassing the trail. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking. And then I look down at the trail right below us, and I see a set of new footprints that were not, uh, hoof prints that were not there the day before. Yeah. And I go, Oh, bleep. <laughs> and we went down there. <laughs> That's when we found that he had been there. He had been right where we said he was going to be. He had pooped there. And then we got, so we were like, well, let's follow him. But we knew we were like four hours behind him by then. And then we got about three <laughs> more miles down the valley. And I looked at my nephew and I said, dude, we're six miles from the truck, even with this stupid sled. Yeah. How are we going to get this thing back if we find him? So that was, oh my! God. but that was a first time, you know, first time elk hunters. We, we just learned a lot is all we did in that case, but it was yeah, fun. Yeah. And, and just being out there in nature, out in the Rocky mountains, in that snow and that cold. He's probably, he's probably watching the whole day. I guarantee it. You. He's standing in the bushes. Like, <laughs> look at those two idiots. So anyway, um, the gas shortage, is that affecting you guys? Um, it's mostly just people running on things like they did toilet paper, but that, that pipeline hack yes. is very scary. Is it, what bothers me is that like the president hasn't really said much about it, and I'm like, that's critical infrastructure. Is it affecting Look, you there? Yeah, I mean, uh, prices have gone up. I know that some people there may be some panic buying out there, but I know on the farm side, you know, we're, we're more so diesel oriented, but but that's a fuel tool that, that that is affected by all this. But let me tell you this: it took us 50 years for America be- to become. Uh, energy independent to where we were exporting energy. And it's only taken four months under the Biden administration for us to have gas lines and shortages and thousands of gas stations uh, uh, out of business, just like back in the 1970s. That's insane. And, and, and prices have gone up, what, like 60, 70% on gas. I mean, cause when, when when Biden took over, it was like 225 a gallon. Now it's over three. It's unbelievable. And of course that's, that's a cost that affects literally everyone uh regardless of your income right uh that's you know people are just going to start eating it and the fact that you know we, we the the xl keystone pipeline canceled within the first hours of the Biden administration and then uh somewhat of a lack of response right now from washington dc just shows you that that this is not a priority but but people you know <laughs> when you start eating into people's weekly budgets like this I mean, it's going to fire folks up, but I was at a meeting last night and it was probably the, the top conversation last night. But, you know, I just pulled a headline just right now. Then Kentucky has the second highest gas price increase in the United States. Jeez. Wow. And, and that's if you're lucky enough to not live in Louisville where they have the greenie gas where you pay an extra quarter. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, because, yeah. we, 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 which is ironic because like Louisville has like the worst pollution of any city I've ever lived in. And they're worried about gas. Like they're worried about your because it ain't caused by the gas. It's caused by like a lot of the other stuff that that they that they that goes on there. And it's like you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. The thing and I did the math on this because I drive a lot for work and um, it's going to cost me this year 
Well, well, first of all, I didn't qualify for one of those cool stimulus uh, checks that everybody else did, <laughs> but um, it's going to cost me more this year than it would have cost me um, extra. Like the extra cost to gas is going to cost me more this year than a full stimulus check would have made me. So all oh, yeah, of that's wiped out. It. And I got to think for people that maybe make a lot less than me and, and drive a lot less than me, it's still going to crush their, their, their monthly budget. Oh, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I've got a half sheet of plywood left over from a project last year. So I'm thinking about selling that and, uh, and $4,000, $4,000 a, a square foot for plywood. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get into the, uh, the little spat that you and the governor have been in and he hasn't mentioned you by name, but I know he's talking about you. Um, I love this. Yeah, I don't think I'm on his Christmas card list. <laughs> you don't anymore. think? You don't think? He is so thin-skinned. You know, I'll be honest with you. I knew his dad pretty well, and I've said this before. His dad and I didn't get along politically, but we got along as people. I I sat with sat with him at UK games, and we'd talk basketball. Yeah. We'd hang Same out in here. the the media yeah. room. Um, his dad actually didn't agree with me politically, but when I was pushing for eliminating. The uh, income tax in Kentucky, he actually, I kid you not, and I've told people this story before, I, I asked him for a meeting. He said, I'll take a meeting with you. And we recorded it. We yeah. did an interview. We did everything. When I walked into his office, he had the plan that I had put together with some legislators for eliminating the income tax on his desk in a folder. He had little hand notes on it. He had read it. He wasn't going to do anything about it, but he met with me. We had a conversation about it. He was not then skinned. Uh, I made fun of his dad relentlessly. We had some, one of our listeners made chicken a chicken biscuit. Ch yes, chicken, chicken biscuit song. Chicken biscuit. Oh my God, we made fun of him relentlessly. But yet he, he sort of got it. Boy, you <laughs> criticize Andy Bashir, and he flips out. Yeah, and and look, Leland, all we're asking for is what other states have done, and that's reopen Kentucky's economy. Uh, Indiana, Tennessee are open for business, 100% uh, capacities at the restaurants. And look, I work with restaurants every single week, and they have struggled more than other industries over the past year. Yeah. And they just want to they just want to keep their business open. A lot of them have closed their doors for good. And so we're calling on Governor Bashir to uh, issue a reopening date for Kentucky. And what makes this even more pressing is that when you have liberal states like California – Pennsylvania and cities like New York City and just recently Washington, D.C. announcing reopening dates. Why can't Kentucky? And we all know what's going on. A lot of Kentuckians that are living on the borders of Tennessee or, say, uh, Louisville, they're going across the river, they're going across the border to spend their money, yeah. uh, to go get haircuts, to go out to dinner and even travel. And so <laughs> I've often said that that uh, the the Southern Indiana Chamber of Commerce should make Andy Bashir the the man of the year for helping drive business across the river. It's so important that we send a clear signal of confidence, especially with our small business owners, uh, which have took it on the chin this past year, that we're going to have reopening date. I think that would be something that this whole state can look forward to. And why not join our neighbors, both both Republican and Democrats? with reopening Kentucky's economy. Yeah. And he, now he's going to come back and I read his, his column that he wrote in which he quoted scripture, um, which I thought was pretty funny, but um, I read the column and, and I was, I was kind of unimpressed. I think what he's saying, because he, he's saying we're doing it slowly and we're doing it right. And we're going to save lives in the process. What's hilarious about that is first of all, he's saying that the state is open. 
It's not open because it's you not. can't. Well, you can't go back to bars fully until like what May twenty eighth. So, so it's bullcrap that it's open. But did you see that Wall Street Journal piece uh, about the uh, University of Chicago study that showed that the lockdowns had the opposite effect of what the governments thought they would have? They actually cost more than they helped. And and what they found was that in this study they found that when people that the virus spread more at home than it did in workplaces and public places and we also now know that the cdc they got caught like basically fudging the risk of of having the virus get it, transferring the virus outside so we we literally did the opposite based on these studies of what should have been done so the governor continues to be completely behind every other state in realizing this because he thinks what he's doing is the right thing when in fact he's actually doing things that are actually slowing the stopping of the spread. I think we just need some good old fashioned Kentucky common sense. And I think the studies <laughs> they're they're changing every week about what's working, what's not working. And I think that that the American people are are as confused as some of the call policymakers are at this point when it yeah. comes to you know, how should we address this? But the one thing we do know is that we know a lot more about this disease than we did a year ago. And I think some of the early actions were warranted. But here we are 14, 15 months into this. Other states are opening up. Why not let Kentucky join governors that are both Democrat and Republican with opening our economy back up? And and for those who are who are uh, questioning whether or not we're open, why don't you go talk to a small family owned uh, restaurant? Uh, that is still not at 100% capacity. Uh, talk to them about how uh, the same stories I've heard where they've lost their life savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's hundreds of restaurants in Kentucky and over 10,000 restaurants in America that have shut their doors for good. They're not coming back. It's time for us to have just some common sense and move forward. Yeah. Um, and kids need to be in school. Um, yes, they, they need and to... science supports that. Yeah, it does. Science supports that. And, and that's the other curious thing over the past year is that is that uh, is that we're told to follow the science. And so when people like Fauci and, <laughs> and other organizations say it's OK to go back in person, then let's do that. And there's there's been a year's lost that we've lost a year. And and I know that some school districts had different um, had had different outcomes, but but you can generally say that our kids have been hurt and they've been hurt hard this past year with learning at home. And it's also causing other economic effects where uh, families that can't afford daycare, you know, you can't go back to work if you're, if you're teaching your kid at home or having to supervise. So it's all compounding upon itself. And when States like California, Pennsylvania, and even California uh, announced the lift of the mask mandate, except for very large events on June 15th, why can't Kentucky move forward? Yeah. Um, millions of children fell behind. I don't know about you, but I can think back to my most awkward years and I can't imagine how that would have changed how I turned out had I had that, that growth year between say the age of 15 and 16 that literally changed my personality and made me less awkward, made me more, uh, amenable. And it really set me on the path. You're less awkward now, Leland. Well, yeah, think? not really. Yeah. Um, no, less, <laughs> less, I'll put it this way. It made me care less whether you thought I was awkward. How about that? How about that? But, um, yeah. but, but that was what really opened me up, got me into, yeah. you know, getting on stage in front of people and, and my yeah. life would have taken a completely different path. Had some of the events that were, that were in that year been taken away, 
because it was those events that made that sharpened me. Iron sharpens iron, yeah. so to speak. And I, I just I grieve for an entire generation of children that already were struggling with interconnectivity because of the digital age. Now being forced into this sort of unnecessary sequester for a year. I, I and I worry because I actually I have to be careful what I say here, but I actually know people who've had. Well, let's just put it this way. Um, there's problems with children that go into the realms of attempted suicide, thinking about suicide, uh, mental illness that have developed as a result of this. And it is a direct result of what yes. we've done to these children. And and the 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 government officials who did who, like you said at the beginning, I get it, but who didn't pay attention to the actual science and make evolving moves through that process are at fault for what has happened here. I fully lay this at their feet and I blame partially and I and I'm not I'm going to say be, be careful when I say this. I believe that Bashir's heart was in the right place in terms of wanting to save lives, but he is at fault for not actually following the science and surrounding himself with non-idiots who would tell him, because I, I'm not sure who was actually helping him make the, the calls over the last year, but sending the state police to churches to write people's numbers down, thats I, I, know, that kind were, of stuff was just insane. That's thats the day where I spoke up on social media and said, this is wrong. When you when you direct law enforcement officers, and, and look, many of those officers did not want to do that. I've talked to some of them. Right. They did not want to do this, but they swore an oath. Um, and so when they sent law enforcement officers to harass churchgoers on Easter Sunday, I knew that there was something wrong. And over the past year, there's been a lack of communication from the governor's office with just about anybody, including our legislative branch, which which I was so happy pushed back against him this past session. He's not working with other areas of government. And 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 now he's suing me, you know, <laughs> you know, for for a guy that that is allegedly so focused on one issue, he takes time out of his day to sue the Kentucky State Fair Board over something that has nothing to do with COVID whatsoever. Right. You know, the legislature passes laws. The governor vetoes them. The just like with Schoolhouse Rock, uh, the legislature correctly over vetoed, uh, overrode the veto. And now it's the law of the land. And a bill that has to do with the reorganization and strengthening of the Kentucky State Fair Board is now being challenged by the governor in Louisville Circuit Court. And. And Leland, I'm telling you, this is the governor that that if he doesn't get what he wants, he runs to the court system to try to get a different outcome. And we're going to be in court. We're going to defend agriculture and we're going to defend the separation of powers. And that's what this lawsuit is about. It's about whether or not the legislative branch, the people's branch matters. If they can't pass a bill that revises an, an agency that they created long ago then what's the point of having a third branch of government? So this is very, very important. If I was going to run against him, I think I'd, I'd have my campaign slogan be, be Kentucky needs a leader, not a lawyer. He's a litigator, and that's all he's been. He's not a leader at all. Um, he, Like you said, I, I, just, I used to joke when, when, um, when he was the attorney general and Bevin was governor that if, if, if Bashir walked past a ham sandwich sitting on the a tabletop in the cafeteria at the state capitol – and somebody told him that Bevan had made that sandwich, he would have sued it right there. Like, he would have just <laughs> filed a lawsuit against that sandwich for having been touched by Governor Bevan. That's, that's, and, and, but that's not leadership. You know what I mean? That's, that's not leadership. It's the opposite of leadership. Leadership is, is picking the phone up, calling even members of the other party that are in controlling, uh, uh, that control the legislative chambers and say, let's sit down 
and figure out how we work together through unprecedented times. And oh, by the way, is there some legislation that we can work on together? Right. That's leadership. What we're seeing now is roadblocked, a lack of communication. And now we're starting to see where Kentuckians, if you drive 20 minutes in any direction outside of Lexington and Louisville, you're going to see that a lot of folks are not watching the press conference every day at four o'clock. And a lot of folks have found all these restrictions to be conflicting, confusing, and contradictory. Right. And I think people just want some common sense. Yeah. So you're going to run against him? We're looking at it, strongly considering it, getting a lot of encouragement across the state, but it's early. It's 2021, and I'm focused on being the best agriculture commissioner Kentucky's ever had. Because this, this is a dream job of mine. Ever since I grew up on a tobacco and cattle farm in the, the hills of Kentucky. And so I'm focused on the job at hand right now. Well, you can steal that um... – you can steal that uh, slogan if you want. Kentucky needs a leader, not a lawyer. <laughs> um, so, if you did run, what what would what would you how would you set up a differentiation? I mean, it's not hard to tell the difference between you and Bashir, but I mean, like, what would you what what would be your overriding passion? Like, you know, because here's here's what people want if somebody runs for an office like that, like an executive office. They want. They, they want something to rally around, like a reason, like a big thing. Is it, is it really just how dismal and horribly and abysmally he's handled COVID? Is that all it would take? I mean, or what's like, what would you say would be your overriding passion if you were to say, you know what? I loved being ag commissioner, but I think I want to step up to the next level. I think that we need a governor that talks with Kentuckians instead of talking at Kentuckians every single day. We need a vision that's going to move Kentucky forward, that that works with our legislature, but also works with our local officials, but that actually tackles the lingering issues that have been around for decades in our state that I know that we can do a better job of. We also need a governor that's going to stand up for the forgotten men and women of our society, uh, those who have been overlooked and those who have been hurt by the pandemic. You know, we still have, uh, I think, 80,000 or so unemployment claims that are a year old and 400,000 emails that were not even opened of people begging for help. And so I think that if we're going to draw a contrast, whether it's me or somebody else or any conservative, I think that the line is going to be pretty easy to draw because we have a governor right now that is not listening to the people uh, whom he represents. Yeah. And so as I travel the state, I spend a lot of time in rural Kentucky, but a lot of time in urban Kentucky as well. I think that uh, I think we need a leader that's going to bring consensus and one that's not talking down upon people every day at four o'clock. Well, and you you have been uh, instrumental in helping to push forward the and, and Jamie Comer actually started this. He's now in the House of Representatives, but, you know, for hemp. But you have taken that banner and you have run with it hard. And that is now showing I ordered I just ordered some. uh it's so funny. I live in Colorado, but I order my CBD from Kentucky. How about that? I just ordered yeah, my good. Uh, yeah, I just ordered my uh, CBD from a Kentucky company, um, and and it's it's I use it to sleep at night. It doesn't have any THC in it. Don't freak out. I mean, people are like, you moved to Col <laughs> you moved to Colorado. So you can I, I've never smoked weed in my wife my life. I have no interest in it whatsoever. But CBD works. It's good for your joints. It's good for sleep. Yeah, I order it from Kentucky because I know it's the best in the world in Kentucky and you push that real quick on the same idea along the lines of talking about Kentuckians forgotten forgotten Kentuckians every person who's run for governor has had to address this no one has actually done anything about it 
How do we take advantage of the amazing advantages, the amazing awesomeness that we have in eastern Kentucky to help lift people out of poverty, do it with free market solutions, and take advantage of what a jewel eastern Kentucky is to our state and could be to our state if we if we set it up right in terms of tourism, um, you know, particular things that maybe we could actually do in agriculture there, the elk herd. Yep. There's so many advantages to eastern Kentucky. It's just kind of hard to get to. How would we to, how would we help that situation? There's a lot of things, and agriculture is one piece of a bigger picture, not just for uh, not just for Eastern Kentucky, but for rural Kentucky as well. You know, number one, we need to uh, promote the beauty of our state, uh, explore the great outdoors. There's no reason why we can't try to be better coordinated with having uh, outdoor adventure, whether it's uh, ATV parks that that are the best in the nation, whether it's premier hunting of elk, uh, whether it's not uh, zip lines across Eastern Kentucky, that we can do something like that, but to be a little bit more uh, specific, we do have some growing agricultural uh, pursuits in eastern Kentucky. Sheep and goat populations, you don't need a lot of land. They're high-valued animals. And, of course, we promote the taste of Kentucky as well. Some of the best recipes, and I know you loved it when you lived here, um, it come from the kitchens of Kentuckians oh. that have been cooking. My mamma. She was the best yeah, cook we, ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and like, w- imagine a cooking destination. That yeah. We're a foodie state. But we have to do this. There's a, there's a missing piece here. We have to have infrastructure and broadband internet in our most rural areas because if we're going to promote job creation uh, anywhere in the state, whether you're rural or in some cases in downtown Lexington or Louisville that have may not have the best internet, we have to move forward. And that's been a consistent issue that our office continues to push both with federal and state matching funds, um, working with service providers and making sure that we have the ability to set up shop, whether you're farming, learning at home, or starting a new business, to have access to high-speed internet. And we, we've Did, got to make those investments. Didn't Bashir's dad screw that up, though? Like, in the sense of the that that was a debacle, wasn't it? The, the attempt to... <laughs> The hundreds of millions of dollars that went almost nowhere in terms of Eastern Kentucky um, broadband access. I mean, I hope we can get that done because it is infrastructure now. I mean, it really is. Um, yeah, I think I think we've moved beyond that at this point, and right now we're focusing on that critical last mile. Okay, and that's why that's why uh, you know if Congress is going to pass an infrastructure bill, I hope that it actually has something to do with infrastructure. Yeah, and, yeah, and that could be. And I know that's 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 an issue that's being debated in D.C. But here in Kentucky, I, I speak to folks every single day, and it's time for us to unite, get this done, and do what our great grandparents did, our grandparents did, and electrify Kentucky in a very yeah. simple way, say a similar way. Uh, and bring an opportunity no matter where you live at in our state. And that's what's really going to help support a startup culture is that if we want to uh, develop a, a, a market-based culture of, of where you can come to Kentucky, bring a good idea, and start a business, Yeah, let's make sure that you have the tools that are necessary to make that happen. You know, what I'm my, one of my goals, um, you were talking about, you know, Eastern Kentucky and goat farming and stuff. One of, one of my wife and I, we want to retire in Montana, but we actually want to have – uh, a place in Kentucky too. And we want to be able to go between the two. Um, and like, that's my dream is to have a ranch in Montana and a farm in Kentucky. Like that would be to me, that would be heaven. You know what I mean? To be able to go, go to go between both worlds. Um, it would just be awesome. Um, and I, I can't decide whether I want to do a farm in like Eastern Kentucky um, or maybe something in central around the knobs that sort of ring the bluegrass region. I, I'm, both of those areas are, are my favorite parts of the state, and I just, I, I'm not sure which one I would want to go to. But 
I would love to have, you know, five or 600 acres just out in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky that you could just enjoy the spring in. You know what I mean? Um, and then we can go hunting together. Lula. That's right. But uh, but regardless of where your farms are at, you need to work on your on your pooper scooper skills. Yeah, I know. I know. That, he always uh, has to bring that up. Go, <laughs> go back and forth uh, to state fair. You I'm cheated twice. You rigged. cheated twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying the contest is rigged, but you are playing on my home, home court. Out there, so. <laughs> well, if you if you want to claim uh, beef turds as your home <laughs> your home turd, that's fine. One last question. I know we started off about hunting, and I, I I'll bring it back to that. I know you're not fishing wildlife department, but the elk herd, how is it doing? And right now it's still a lottery situation. Is it growing in the sense that it may someday be a thing where pretty much any Kentuckian that wants an elk tag could get one, or at least it becomes a lot more easy. How easy is it for a Kentucky hunter to get an elk tag right now? Well, right now, you know, I just finished up uh, turkey hunting season. When I got my license for 10 bucks, you can put in for a lottery for a tag to go, hunting elk and they give out i think somewhere around 500 or so tags don't quote me on that and and that's pretty healthy for our area of the united states but the elk herd itself is growing um i, I think we're still quite a bit a ways out for for it to be a, a non-lottery situation yeah but that's been a good thing but but there's also uh you got to think about how many people that draws into kentucky that's not just kentucky oh, yeah uh, vying for that chance and so this is something special and it, it's actually creates a a form of, of hunting tourism in our state as well that attracts people here. And so I, I put in for the tag. I hope I get the opportunity to do that, but that what's makes Kentucky special is that we are an outdoor state. You combine the bourbon, you combine the racehorses. We have a growing vineyard and, and a foodie population, a foodie uh, environment. This is a great place to visit. And maybe that's one thing we should focus on a little bit more is to explore the beauty of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Yeah, well, and, and the, this the move now, it's funny, the move to bring Rocky Mountain Elk into Kentucky has been so successful that they're actually, the Kentucky herd is now helping to populate herds in other states like Minnesota and other northeastern yeah. states where they lost all of their elk herd. And now my understanding is inadvertently we're actually restoring the elk back to Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, because we— there, there's so they're much moving. Yeah, yeah they're moving and there's so much habitat for them in that area that it's just it's fantastic so listen um i i always enjoy talking to you ryan and uh we appreciate you stopping by and i just want to say that uh, as a you know once a kentuckian always a kentuckian and i realize i don't live in the state right now i do spend quite a bit of time there but i don't i don't live in the state right now but uh i want to say that as a kentuckian uh, I appreciate your willingness to stand up for Kentucky common sense values. When you say Kentucky common sense, that is a thing. It is a real thing. And um, we have a governor right now that's running the state contrary to those values. And I appreciate the fact that you're willing to speak truth to power in this situation. And anybody that's done it, the owner of Brood in Lexington standing up right. to the governor and kind of being a thorn in his side. I just I appreciate any Kentuckian willing to stand and say, hey. This is not how we do things, and um, so I, I don't know. I'm not trying to speak for anybody, but just myself, but um, I, I appreciate somebody standing up to the silliness that's been going on in Frankfurt. So, Well, I appreciate that, and Leland, I, I feel like I'm just doing my job. I'm yeah. speaking up for these small business owners who have been hammered over the past year, or, or agritourism events that have been hampered by contradictory uh, and confusing executive orders. Uh, meanwhile, other businesses get sweetheart deals out of the governor's office. And so we're just doing our best. We're just doing our best to have some Kentucky common sense. And we just, we're just asking the governor to do the same thing as our neighboring states have done 
and give us a date so that we can look forward to to reopen our economy. All right, I have a good idea. Let's take our um, our our cattle poop uh, rivalry to the next level. <laughs> how about this? Um, how about how about I come back and go hunting with you on your farm, and then you come yeah. out here and go hunting with me for antelope or or mule deer uh, out here in the in the west, and we'll do a swap hunt. How about that? We'll hunt with each hey. other on both sides of the country. Call it a deal. Call it a deal. As long as long as you cook, we appreciate. You. I'm I'm happy to do that. All right, brother. Thanks, man. We appreciate you. See ya. All right, bye. Ryan Quarles, the Ag Commissioner of Kentucky. I love that guy. Um, and he has. He's really put it back to uh, Governor Bashir in a big way. That would be fun, actually. Um, hanging out. See, so there's two different. The thing is, like out here, we have we we do have whitetail in Colorado. Um. But mostly mule deer. There's a lot of mule deer. And mule deer are totally different than whitetail, and they you have to hunt them different. Like with mule deer, it's actually really kind of a lot more challenging in a lot of ways because they tend to be in very rough places. Um, I went mule deer hunting down in Arizona last year, and um, golly, we had to follow this mountain ridge, and it was like just way out in the middle of nowhere, a long way away from roads, miles away from roads. And you're following this mountain ridge. It's just like basically just rock, you know, and you're going. And it took us, I don't know, we were on the we were, we were were on the trail immediately. Like we got out of the truck and we were at the base of the mountain and um, we see sign and we start following it. And we it takes us up the mountain. It was before sunrise, you know, so it takes us up the mountain. We get to the mountaintop sun, about sunrise. We have to do probably two or three miles of just ridge running. Uh, kind of looping around, following this trail, and we get, and we're like, these, this does, we know there's does, they'll either lead us to maybe a buck somewhere or whatever, so we actually, it takes us two or three hours, we find the does, we come around the corner, and there they are, they're on the side of the mountain, I mean, it's like, like, literally, side of a mountain, we're like, whoa, beautiful sunrise, you know, it's gorgeous, and we decided to keep following them a little bit, and then, sure enough, they took us to the buck, and uh, my buddy was in a better position to take a shot. I was not in a position to take a shot when we saw him, and I was like, all right, you go ahead and do it. So he sets up, and he shoots, and it goes high, and then psh, he was gone, and that dude was out of there. There was, like, no chance we'd find him again. I mean, he was, it's a totally different, like, kind of terrain-type situation, but it was a fun—it was a blast. So that would actually be fun to do, and then with whitetail, a lot of times, especially in Kentucky, you're just sitting in a tree until they come along. You know, but they're bigger. They're so much bigger because they have so much more habitat, you know, to eat. Whereas out in the West, you know, these these mule deer are more like, um, you know, they're kind of running around scrapping what they can scrap. So they're little and they're fast and they're, um, you know, kind of wily. But those you get on a big old whitetail buck in Kentucky, man, and golly, you could eat for days. So months anyway that would be fun hey listen thanks for listening to the program today i want to thank our sponsor uh louisville cabinets and countertops uh super excited about them being on board and and the thing is you know that i don't talk about businesses that i don't fully believe in um i've been a customer of louisville cabinets and countertops they did our kitchen when we lived in kentucky and i'm i'm confident that it's the reason our house sold in less than a day because here's the deal. It was a beautiful house we had. We loved it and a uh, nice piece of property. So there were a lot of things, a lot of factors in why it sold so fast. But when you walked into the house and we first bought it, it had this kind of horrible kitchen. Everything else was gorgeous, but had this horrible, unusable kitchen island. 
So I called Tim in and I was like, Tim, I need some help here. This island. And he looks at it, kind of scratches his head and he goes, I can fix that. And so then he did. And then we put quartz countertops in and it completely changed everything. And then it became an entertainment hot point, right? Like it was like, we loved having people over fixing dinner and entertaining and all that kind of stuff. It was just perfect. And so um, I highly recommend them. If you're looking at, say, maybe upgrading your house, it's a dream house, you want to stay in it, take advantage of low interest rates right now, get a home equity loan or whatever, and just go ahead and just upgrade it to where you want it to be. Or maybe you're going to flip it, you know, and you need to sell it. That kitchen is a huge selling point, right? So I highly recommend Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Uh, 6200 Hit Lane, they've got three designers on staff, Michelle, Kelly, George. They're all super happy to uh, to talk with you. And just kind of, even if you're not ready yet, go talk with them. Be like, hey, you know what? I heard Leland talking about this. I just want to see what's the ballpark figure cost. What can you do? How can you make it look? And just see if it's something you want to do, right? If you're a contractor or a do-it-yourselfer, they've got Really high quality, super affordable, beautiful cabinets of all styles in stock and ready to go. So give them a call at 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304, or LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. Big thanks to JP Web Design, Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky. My good-for-nothing lazy co-host and co-executive producer, Cameron Mills. And to you for listening and downloading this podcast, I really appreciate your loyalty to it. I, I ask that you would um, uh, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts because that helps them push it out and get the message out to more people. Uh, so check that out if you can. You can follow me on Instagram. It's at Greatly Londo and at The Disruption Zone. And on Twitter, it's at Leland Show and at Zone Disruption. Thanks for listening. I am Leland Conway, The Disruption Zone.